quickly say something controversial. to the Pint of Politics podcast. This is episode number 23. Um, we're joined once again by Sam. How are you doing, mate? I'm great, mate. How are you? I'm, I'm all good. You're feeling pretty good after uh, Chelsea's win last night? I'm over the moon. Over the moon, yeah. buzzing. So, um, yeah, there you go. Sam's in a good mood. Uh, we're also joined by uh, Liam making his uh, fourth guest appearance, I think, although you may as well be a fucking co-host at this point, mate. <laughs> how you doing? You are right. Yeah, good boys. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Um, yeah, Joel's Joel's bottled it again. He has bottled it again. He's citing uh, essay stress as his reason. Um, so yeah, there you go. He's uh, how are we supposed to make a professional podcast when one of the co-hosts doesn't show up every other week? I know. Yeah, it's pretty poor. I mean, we're we're the OGs, isn't we? At the end of the day, <laughs> so it's uh, you know what I mean. It's it's all us. Um, anyway, anyway, we'll start with what we're drinking. We'll go with our guest first, Liam. What have you? Uh, what have you got, mate? Uh, nothing major, just a, uh, a freezing cold pint of Stella that I've poured myself, but it does look pretty good, to be fair, because of how cold it is. Nice one, nice one. Uh, me and Sam are currently uh, enjoying... Well, Liam, if you didn't see on our, so- our socials, our socials, Liam uh, very kindly sent us some some beers from Tiny Rebel uh, Brewery, which are very nice. We, me and Sam are enjoying them now. So, Sam, what one have you got there for us, mate? I've got the uh, Club Tropical, the Tropical IPA. It's lovely. Enjoying it. Yeah, that was one you said specifically, Liam, was the best one, I think you said. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm on the uh, the Key Lime Lager, which is, uh, yeah, lager with Key Lime, basically. Very nice, quite sweet. Um, yeah, recommend it. There's a couple more uh, that we haven't tried in the box. So maybe there are any small cans, so maybe we'll finish these ones halfway through and have another can uh, and we'll sample them for you. So you might get like a midway through beer review as well. Have a little fucking interval. Little interval, yeah, that's what like at the theatre, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't go to the theatre, but I just, you know, no, they haven't. Sound like uh, anyway, huh? Sounds like you go to the theatre. Do I? Yeah. yeah. All right, sweet mate, sweet. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that's uh, if that was an insult or not, but I'll uh, I'll take it. I'll take it as such. It's um, the accents, boys. You just sound like proper, like typical oh. Tory Southern going theatre lovers. What? Not all people from the south go to the theatre. They just sound, I'm not saying they do, they just sound like they all go to the third. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> we'll move on to then. Uh, basically, today is uh, today's election day. So uh, there's many elections going on across the UK. You've got elections for the Scottish, Scottish Assembly, Scottish Parliament, sorry, the Welsh Assembly. You've got local elections for all the councils across the UK. You've also got mayoral elections uh, in the places that have uh, elected mayors. Uh, I've been to vote. Sam, you've been to vote, yeah? Yeah, just went back from the gym just now. Lovely. Uh, nice way of shoehorning that you go to the gym there. Liam, I'm assuming you didn't <laughs> vote on the way back from the gym looking at you. but uh, <laughs> yeah, You've been to vote though, yeah, mate? I have been to vote, yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted who I voted for. Um, you know, so I voted. Uh, we got West Yorkshire Mayor, so uh, Andrew Cooper. Nothing to do with the fact that he came on the podcast and was the only uh, candidate who replies to my emails. Um but, and then also a uh, Green Party for for, for council. I'm not going to pressure anyone else to tell them who they voted for. You don't have to. Um, well, I mean, to be fair, you put it on your socials, Liam. Do you want to tell everyone who you voted for in uh, in Manchester? Yeah, of course. Uh, there's only one person uh, that had to be voted for mayor for me, and that's uh, Andy Burnham. I know that recently on the podcast and just in life in general, I've been heavily critical of Labour. And um, anyone but Andy Burnham for the mayor, and if any, sorry, anyone else, 
and I wouldn't have voted for Labour. But the only reason is because of the man. And if you'll just give me a minute as well, I'd love to just explain sort of why my reason behind that is. Go so, for it. You're going to do oh, a little, uh, do a little uh, you know, arse lick for Andy Burnham. Oh, definitely, mate. He deserves his arse licking clean out for what he's been doing for the past <laughs> years, mate. Go for it, mate. Tell, enlighten the listeners on why we should right, uh, so, love Andy Burnham. So Andy Burnham, right, so... He spent 20, after 20 years in Westminster, he finally decided to put his MP days to bed and he uh, obviously became the mayor of Manchester. And he did you know that he, he gives 15% of his own personal wages towards tackling homelessness every single year, which I worked out was around about £16,000 a year that towards his better bed every night scheme that he came up with, which houses around 500 people every single night. And he's done that for the whole four years. Um, since he became mayor, uh, he's put 700 more police officers on the streets of Greater Manchester and he's aiming to increase this by another 325. He was the person who kick-started the Hillsborough Inquiry again and actually got the ball rolling towards the um, the tragic disasters, families getting, um, getting justice for their families, of course. He turned Manchester into the cycling capital of England and is one of the leading people in trying to have the green revolution of Manchester. Um, his speech after the Manchester terror attacks, I don't know if you heard that, but it was like just exactly what the city needed. I think I remember a, it, yeah. Yeah, after such a horrific incident, he brought unity back to the city and um, pretty much put a stop to like, th- there was sort of little spurts of hate coming out from people and he just basically just put a straight end to that and sorted it out. He was one of the only people out of the entire, like anything to do with Labour, who fought back against the Tories' tier system and against lockdowns in general and was actually fighting for the working class and the hospitality industry up here. He fought for more money for the people of Manchester. And then on top of that, he's pledged to bring the buses back under control, which hasn't happened since before Margaret Thatcher. So it'll be low affairs and more on time, more reliable, not just working for the uh, the bosses. So for me, in, in the case of Andy Burnham, I've very much voted for the man, not the party, because I'd have loved to have just gone and thrown my vote at someone else, like the Greens for mayor, but because it's Andy Burnham, I just can't. My council vote was for the for the Greens because there was no way that Labour were getting two votes out of me. And Linda Foley, don't know who you are, don't care who you are. Fuck off, love. See you later. <laughs> Paul, she's probably just some like little uh, oh, yeah. like receptionist at some uh, <laughs> a dentist or something. <laughs> she probably is, but councils are pricks anyway. So, yeah. and um, if you're at Labour at the minute, honestly, I'd love to just sit here and slag them off all day. So they're not having my council vote. That the Greens can have that. But Andy Burnham. Can't say a bad word about you, pal. If you're listening, you're probably not, but I'll lick your ass anytime, as Connor said. <laughs> Brilliant. That's that's gonna hit you up soon. That's his formal invite onto the podcast, that innit? I'll lick your ass anytime. Um yeah, there you go. So and no, and I do fully agree with that. Someone actually asked me earlier today, um, like who would you like to see replace Keir Starmer as late? Because I tweeted earlier, I said, oh, what I hope happens today is Labour get battered, so Starmer gets out. Agreed. Um, and they said, Who would you want to replace him? I said Andy Burnham. Um but yeah, so a very good, uh, very good shout there. Very good uh, little uh, little speech from yourself, Liam. I'm sure you'll like to hear that at his wedding. Uh, if you're his best man, wait, uh, <laughs> um, Liam. You said you know you said he put his MP days behind him. Yeah. And you were like, oh, I could see him as a new leader of. Um, good point. He'd have to be an MP. Well, for no, that. but you reckon he'd come back in? Do you reckon he'd go back to a? It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because obviously he was um, he was defeated by Corbyn in 2015. Yeah. And I think I think at that point he was like, well, it looks like the party's sort of taking a new direction because Andy Burnham is actually cut like he's he's more sort of centre left. He's more centre than I am, definitely. He's um like he, he was around sort of during the Blair days and that. So I'm not sure. Like, I mean, if you're looking for the sort of centre left Labour kind of thing, he's ideal, isn't he? Because he's not too far left. So he would uh, galvanize the sort of central vote. And equally because of how 
vocally is about the working class and he does genuinely offer an opposition to the Tories. The left like him as well. I mean, I was, there's a guy that I used to um, used to go to school with. He's a, he's a, he reminds me of you a bit, Sam. He's very much like a, a typical conservative sort of centre-right, like traditional values, very much British values. And he lives in Manchester now as well. He's from uh, from Blackpool, but he lives in Manchester. And even he, I said to him today, who are you voting for for mayor then? And even he was like, oh, I'm going to vote Andy Burnham. Like, why can you, like even conservatives vote for Andy Burnham just because if you work, if you are a working class conservative, you can still respect what Andy Burnham is and what he does and what he's about. So yeah, I think, why not? If they, if they were serious enough about getting him in, I think he would go, he would take the leadership. And to be honest, I, I think he would have a very, very good chance of winning an election, especially against the Tories at the minute. Imagine if Burnham was against this lot. He'd just be ripping them a new arsehole, man. Yeah, that's what I think that's what I think um Labour needs really is sort of a northern, a more northern leader. Uh, I think Stein was just horrendous. He is horrendous. Well, I mean we've we've gone over that, you know, <laughs> plenty of times yeah. on the pod to be fair. So um I want to go back to these uh this sort of elections that are happening today and stuff. Uh we've also got so we've got the mayoral elections uh across across the country. Uh, West Yorkshire is electing its first mayor today. Um, the front runner for that is Tracy Brabin, who is a Labour MP. Also, uh, sort of a big thing as well is there's a by-election today in Hartlepool, um, which is you know historically has always been uh, it's always been a kind of red uh, red wall kind of area. It's uh, you know always gone for Labour, and um, yeah, Hartlepool is uh, looking like it's going to be uh, it's going to be Tory in Hartlepool because there's a the opinion polls are showing a 50% lead for the Conservatives, which is really quite damning and quite interesting. Uh, it's a shock. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a shock. Um, Liam, do you think that's the legacy of Keir Starmer or would you blame it on people like Jeremy Corbyn? Well, with the Hartlepool thing, right, I don't think it's as much of a shock as... That, that obviously the lead is a shock. The lead is 17 points they're ahead, I think. I, I do believe I read it. It's 17 points ahead. That, yeah, that, that's a bit of a that's a shock. But if you actually look at the, the votes from the 2019 election, the only reason that Labour managed to get in, I think they won by like less than a thousand votes, was because the Brexit party had like eight and a half thousand votes. So that like split the, the vote for the Tories, or else they'd have cleaned up if it wasn't for the Brexit party, I do believe. Um, because the majority of people who vote for the Brexit Party are, of course, conservatives who didn't want to vote Conservative. I mean, they took a few sort of leave Labour stragglers, but I, th- I do believe that the, the Tories would have got in there. And in terms of Keir Starmer blaming uh, Jeremy Corbyn, I mean, what is that guy smoking, man? Like, he, he whether or not it was because of the Brexit party last time, the guy held the seats for two, two elections. So... Like, how can Keir Starmer just turn around and be like, oh, well, if we lose a seat, it's because of Jeremy Corbyn. Like, you are the leader now. You are the leader. Don't try and de- deflect it onto somebody else. Like, it's just ridiculous. Really it? Job now as well. Over a year. Yeah. It was April April 2020 he was elected, so he's yeah, over 13 months. Yeah, so you can't be, like, blaming your predecessors. No, still, I know. No. no, yeah. Um, but it's just very interesting. Obviously, that's looking very, very certain it's going to go to Conservatives. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, Obviously, a bit of a sign of the times, I guess, with, with the fact that there's not really any safe seats. Well, I mean, I suppose you could probably still for Labour rely on these sort of urban areas, but there's not really massively any safe seats that they have anymore to the same extent uh, as they did in the past with areas such as the North East who were, you know, historically, you know, really, really set in their ways with with Labour. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see them sort of crumble a bit. We'll um, have a little about Scottish Parliament. Um, that's looking like it could be a very interesting race because there's not really the opinion polls of our favour in the SNP and different polls are giving them different 
results really so I mean the SNP are going to win it but whether they'll get a majority or not is another story because uh, I've seen polls that have put them at a majority of about eight or nine seats and I've seen polls that have put them short of a majority by about five or six so um, yeah interesting stuff Sam do you reckon uh, the sort of Nicholas Sturgeon uh, sort of stuff that we've seen over the last couple of months with uh, like Alex Salmon thing do you reckon that's you know maybe dampened their chances and you know what do you uh, what do you reckon I I think they're playing up being a majority again as much as I don't want it to happen. I could see that. Um, yeah, I think they're going to definitely get a majority, but it's the, the, the fallout from the investigation and all the instances of salmon and everything is definitely going to be playing on the mind of the voters still. And I mean, even mm-hmm. like in relation to independence, it, it happens every time. Whenever there's, as it, whenever there's like more talk of an independence vote, the pulse slowly starts shifting back in favour of no. Yeah. And it's happening again with this. So I think even if the SNP do get back in, I don't know if they will have the support to force through a referendum. Yeah. Go on, Liam. You was about to say something there. Yeah. So my opinion on like the SNP in general, to be honest, is like if the people of Scotland want to go independent, then obviously as like someone who is an advocate of uh, democracy, then you have to respect that. So the, the SNP is a party like... I, I don't particularly have a problem with it's just Nicola Sturgeon, man. Like, there's just something about her. Like, every time I listen to her, I just think you are so arrogant and like she's just horrible, man. There's just there's just nothing warm about her whatsoever. So if she does end, if they end up losing the majority, I like it would be pretty funny because just because of how arrogant she is. Um, and another thing as well is about Scotland is I I'm not convinced that they as there's a majority of people there that genuinely want to to be independent. I think the reason they vote for the SNP is more of like a middle fingers up to Westminster for a lot of people, more than the fact that they actually want to leave the UK. I could be wrong because obviously I, I don't really know too much about like day-to-day Scottish politics because I don't live there. No. Um, but I, I, I do actually believe that more people than don't want to be part of the UK, even if they vote for the SNP. If you were in Scotland, who do you reckon you'd vote for? <sighs> Probably not the SNP. I'd probably just, I don't know. What, right now? Yeah, right now. Right now. You'd have to go for, I don't, I don't know, like, because the SNP, no chance. Um, I mean, yeah, because like the educational side of the SNP as well, like they, they pledged to do all this stuff for like a revolution of education there and it's actually got so much worse. So how could you vote for them for that, for a start? Yeah, I'm never going to vote Conservative for obvious reasons and the state of the Labour Party would just... Yeah, it's looking like it's not galvanised me to vote for them either. There, I don't know. Probably just it'd be a waste of a vote. It's not the front vote. Yeah, yeah it's probably Greens or something. I don't know. It'd, it'd have to be a waste of a vote up there. But yeah, true, true. They got they've got an interesting electoral system as well. It's like AMS, so, it's, yeah. is it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's a what weird is it, one. Or is it STV? It might be STV. Yeah. Anyway, I, I can't get my head around it. Uh, well, I probably could if I put F into it. Um, a level politics. <laughs> yeah, that's A level <laughs> politics stuff. That um, Welsh Welsh Assembly as well. Um, Looking like Labour are probably going to take that um, quite comfortably. Although, interestingly, the opinion polls are saying that uh, the Conservatives uh, are going to increase and they're going to increase their vote share by about five percentage points. So, you know, potentially a bit of a bit of a rebellion against Mark Drakeford than his fucking ludicrous lockdown policies, which is, you know, in, implemented over the last year. He's an absolute. No, I've got my my uncle lives in lives in Wales as well, in South Wales. And he's, he said a couple of times to me, he's an absolute nut job. Like he's an, just an absolute, I think his son's like a, some in, involved in like organized crime or something like that. <laughs> Either that or he's like a, or he's been like a drug dealer or like done, been done for some sort of drugs or something like that. Um, 
Yeah, proper mad. Um, but yeah, I'm probably more likely to vote for him. What just for the drugs? Yeah, all right. No, for his his son, just because he's probably more of a, an upstanding citizen than his dad. He's probably got more integrity about him as well. You're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, so yeah, there's Wales. I mean, not want to spend too much time on that, but obviously as well, there's a big one. Uh, most eyes turn to the uh, London mayoral election, where there's I think there's a record number of candidates standing um, in this this year's uh, mayoral election. So you got the likes. So you got you know Sadiq Khan's obviously standing for re-election and is probably going to win it. Um, I'd put, you know, I'll put your mortgage on that. I reckon I don't think anyone else is going to come close. Uh, obviously it'll probably be, it'll be between him and Sean Bailey on the second count. But uh, yeah, I think uh, Khan's probably got that in the bad, but you've also got a, a, a wide range of candidates. You've got, uh, you know, actor Lawrence Fox standing for his party, the Reclaim Party. Um, polling at one percent. <laughs> polling at one percent. This is the thing, right? He's, he's. I agree with him on the issue of lockdown, but I think that's as far as it goes. And I feel like there's a lot of people who I'm like that with on lockdown because I, you know, like people like um, Julia Hartley Brewer and like people on yeah. talk radio. You know, those, those kind of people. Yeah, like I, I agree with him on the issues of lockdown, but like since I followed them, they tweet other like absolute so, bits yeah, of like, shite, and I'm just like, what are you talking about? So like, yeah, if I was in London, I doubt I'd vote for Lawrence Fox. Um, well, I might be tempted to. You, I mean, if you wanted another anti-lockdown person, then Piers Corbyn's also running for mayor of London. So is uh, Nico Milana, the YouTuber, and uh, Max Fosh, another YouTuber. So uh, it's a it's a it's a wide range of uh, of interesting candidates, I think. And um, obviously, Sadiq Khan's most likely going to win it. But it'll be interesting to see if like someone like Lawrence Fox, who's taken this campaign like really quite seriously, is beaten by someone like Nico Milana. I think that will probably drive in him the to polls. the end. That will end his like fourth in the polls. He was like five <laughs> percent. I yeah. think he was polling five percent that I've seen. Last I saw, he was on like six or seven. Yeah, it's amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's absolutely mad. It's also youth coming through. <laughs> I can't stand that Lawrence Fox. Did you not see him the other day? Just like chatting absolute macker about the NHS and like trying to bully the worry. key workers and all. Oh, mate, the guy's just an absolute helmet, man. <laughs> I hope he gets beat by that Nico guy. Like it would be funny. Yeah, be yeah. I'm not a big like YouTube watcher, avid YouTube subscriber or anything. Nah. Uh, that guy seems like a bit of a helmet as well, that Nico, but at least he's like just doing it for a piss take. So it'd be funny if someone who was doing it for a piss take beat someone who spent five million pounds on their campaign. Yeah, to be, I mean, to be fair, like, I, I wouldn't, in, I don't endorse voting for Nico Milana because I think that's just a complete, like, it's, it's a wasted vote. But if it's at the expense of Lawrence Fox, then maybe I'll support it. Like, but yeah, the other YouTuber says something like, he was like, don't, he even tweeted today, he's like, don't vote for me, just go out and vote. So I think he was like doing it as like a platform to get more young people out there to vote, which I can Yeah, add. this is the thing, actually. It's quite a good way, uh, something I haven't considered, actually, what you said, you know, these jo- sort of joke candidates, and they are joke candidates. Um, you know, even if they're getting young people engaged in politics by, you know, these ridiculous stuff like Nico Milana, I think, you know, he's, he's, pub- he's made quite a few. YouTube videos off the back of this that's got him, you know, a large, a nice amount of like ad revenue on there, hundred percent. But you know, even if that, even if that's all they're doing, it's still getting young people involved in politics, or you know, people who obviously has to be eighteen at least, but that's still people who who, who watches content around that age and a bit older. So yeah, I suppose there is uh, there is benefits to it, but um, yeah, I'm not not expecting them to uh, embark on a, on a specifically uh, specifically long political. I think I think one of the Nico Milan's policies, which, which I can actually get behind, is that any McDonald's uh, with the McFlurry machine not working will be closed down uh, and sold as uh, as low cost housing for young people. So I thought, I thought that was all right. Maybe I'll get behind that. Um, 
so yeah, London Mayor, we've got a lot, basically lots of elections today. Um, so I'd say if you haven't voted, get out and vote, but this episode's not going out until tomorrow, so it'll be too late. Um, can, I, can I not just make a, uh, an honourable mention to the UKIP candidate for London Mayor, Gammons? Yeah, Peter Gammons. <laughs> <laughs> what Count Binface is also in uh, the London Mayor election as well. I forgot to, forgot to uh, mention that. Count Binface, one of his main policies is renaming London Bridge to Phoebe Waller Bridge. Um just a just a, a good guy. Um, yeah, no, nah, it seems a bit of a bit of a bit of a uh, circus for London Mayor to, uh, this this Maybe year. Spent but... ten grand just to enter. Yeah, you got to spend like, ten grand to enter. Like, yeah, Cal Binface. I just thought it was like a binman or something. He's got. Ten... Nah, he's been in quite a few. He's yeah, running quite a few elections. Yeah, though, hasn't he, he? he sits for um, in Boris's seat. But he always goes for the seat the Prime Minister's in. Oh yeah. So like I did it for when it was Theresa May's seat in Maidenhead. He um he ran there. So, um, yeah, but there you go. So I hope you have voted. You obviously, you'll be listening to this tomorrow or whenever. So I hope you did vote uh, and get your voice get your voice heard. And no doubt we'll uh, have some discussion points on the results of the uh, elections next week. So obviously stay tuned for that. But we'll move on from some very uh, serious electoral talk. Yeah, the, serious, uh, the seriousness of the London mayoral election, because obviously it is quite, uh, quite serious. Um, to the tweet of the week. Uh, we'll got we'll start Liam. Have you got a tweet of the week for us, mate? Yeah, just give us one second. Right, so my tweet of the week this week, short and simple. So obviously, you guys have um, we were discussing it before. I've heard about uh, Boris sending uh, warships to, to Jersey because of the French booting off. So uh, my tweet of the week, short and simple. We need to go to war with France. It'll lift everyone's spirits. <laughs> it definitely will. <laughs> this is the thing. That that's how it works, isn't it? Like it will. Uh... And we'll definitely win as well. So, mate, they'll have a white flag on the beach before we even get to Calais, mate. <laughs> we know how this goes, boys. We know how it goes. We've, we've seen it twice before, and in very devastating fashion. It's a, it's a win-win, really, isn't it? To be fair, um, I, yeah, I saw, I saw, um, uh, Joel as well yesterday said that to us. He was like, "Oh, we should have taken more of France when we, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. when we, when we won the war for them." Yeah, he was like, <laughs> "We should, we should just take them more." Um, <laughs> Yeah. To be fair, just a quick shout as well. A few years ago, I was at a rave uh, in Manchester and uh, the best T-shirt I've ever seen at a rave uh, w- was there. This guy was just absolutely off his tits at the back and uh, and he just had a shirt that simply said on it, fuck Syria, let's bomb France. Brilliant. <laughs> like, fair enough, mate. We can all get behind that message. Uh, Sam, you got a tweet of the week for us, mate? Uh, it took half a day for France to surrender. They've beaten their previous record. Well done, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! I hope there's no French people listening. Uh, and if you are, be... you're a bunch of fucking vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> they won't be enjoying this, will they? Um, my tweet of the week is basically um, this from the other day. So um, it was the uh, anniversary uh, on the second of May of when um, basically the um, the US uh, killed Bin Laden, right? Um, so anyway, someone tweeted. Today is the 10th anniversary of the day my uni gave me an emergency extension on my dissertation, which was titled, Where's Bin Laden? The use of bogeymen in Western geopolitical discourse because the CIA found and killed the fucker on the day of the deadline. (laughs) I just thought that was poetic, wasn't it? Like, imagine that. Imagine writing a 10,000 word dissertation for it to all be unraveled by the fact, yeah, they found him. They literally found him. Surely they'd like just pretend that they hadn't found him and mark it accordingly. Yeah, yeah, you'd like to to, because realistically, how long would you give an extension for that? You'd have to give the same amount of time 
yeah, for them would. to redo the whole dissertation. It's like what? another like six three months five, or something. Yeah. yeah, well, five months or so. Yeah, it depends when you started, but yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. He like he probably just put a note at the bottom of it, like you know, written before Br- written before Bin Laden was shot and killed by the CIA. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, there you go. We'll um tweet the week out, and uh, obviously Joel's not here, so we'll go for a dog of the week, but I won't go for just one dog of the week. Basically, what I'd encourage you to do is have a look, go over to the Pint of Politics Twitter page. Uh, you don't even just have to go over there, actually. Search the hashtag uh, dogs at polling stations on Twitter because there is just an absolute range of different dogs at polling stations, basically. It's one of my favourite favorite parts about an election day is uh, seeing all the uh, all the lovely dogs, um, you know, sitting out. Uh, you, to be fair, you can probably see lots of lovely dogs in a night out in uh, Blackpool, to be fair. Hey. Um, we... I was say, I'm just going to go and ask my dog of the week that lives there to go and get me another beer. <laughs> Lauren? Oh, no. <laughs> Going on the oh dear! To be fair, we should we should go for another one. Yeah. Anyway, that was my the dogs of the week. Is, <laughs> is, it any, Lauren? is it Lauren? It's not Lauren. It's not Lauren. <laughs> Lauren, it's not you. If you're listening, um, hang on. We'll get another. We're just me and Sam just getting another beer. Basically, I've got a massive box full of. Uh, I'll go I've got a massive box full of tiny rebel beers. Um, so yeah, we're having a little rummage through. I think the other ones. Um, it's that one. There you go. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So. There you go. Midway through the uh, episode, as promised. Uh, should we crack it at the same time? Oh, that was a bit of ASMR there, wasn't it? Um, yeah, we we uh, basically me and uh, me and Sam are on another another tiny rebel. Liam's getting an earful from his missus because uh, she's. Uh, I'm in the, speaking about dogs of the week, I'm in the fucking dog house now. Yeah, I'm not surprised, mate. You're sleeping on the sofa. Um, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Me and me and Sam then. So. The, the box that Liam sent has had four different tiny rebel beers in. So I'm on the um, I'm on the electric boogaloo, which is a passion fruit uh, sort of uh, lager IPS. Have a little sip of that. Tastes like passion fruit. Um, <laughs> lovely stuff. Uh, Sam, what have you got there, mate? Got the caddy pale. It's a juicy pale ale. Lovely stuff. Enjoyable. Yeah, tastes like a pale ale. Lovely, lovely stuff. Um, so yeah, there you go. Right, Sam. Excellent review there. Ah, goes for that, Sam. Excellent review. Tastes like a pale ale. <laughs> <laughs> to be go fair, on, I did describe the seller. I'll, 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 I'll get a hundred of them then. Liam, <laughs> Liam, sorry. Fucking hell, if my missus gives me that lip again, she'll be getting twatted. That's all. <laughs> We're getting cancelled, aren't we? We are getting cancelled. We don't endorse this. Disclaimer: We do not endorse domestic violence. Um, Only if we fucking make you the wrong dinner the third night in the row. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, what's on the menu tonight, mate? Um, a knuckle sandwich, by the sounds of it. <laughs> Cancel Liam, not the podcast. He's at the Liam Mayo on Twitter. Anyway, uh, basically, the next question I had to ask, uh, well, I asked Sam and Joel, but Joel's not here, so I'll ask Liam as well. I've sent Liam the agenda. Don't worry, I'll give him plenty of notice, even if Joel doesn't give me plenty of notice before he cancels, uh, that he's not coming to a, it's coming to an episode. So, um, yeah, basically, I said to everyone, uh, the context of this is, obviously, last week we saw... Um, Live live gigs in uh, Liverpool last week. So um, we saw there was one that was like a rave event at a place called the Circus, I think it was called, um, and there was another one at Sefton Park, which was uh, had like the Lathams or a band like Quiet Light and Blossoms, who obviously 
a lot of people might have heard of, um, which was lovely to see. It was there was gigs, there was no social distancing, no masks, none of that shit. Uh, it was just people enjoying themselves. Obviously, you had to have a you had to have a negative t- COVID test before you went, but still, it was it was lovely to see a bit of normality back, and we hope that that can uh, you know continue. Uh, long into the future and we never have to go back on that um but yeah anyway with that in mind i asked uh i asked liam and sam uh and myself uh who would you see which band or artist whoever uh might be a dj don't uh would you uh would you see live if you could choose if you could choose any band that you like um you know, who would you want to see live at a gig for your first post COVID gig? We'll start with Liam. What have you got for us, mate? I'm not a big band man, you know, it's not really my kind of scene. If I like this is gonna just sound so cliche, but if I was gonna see any band after lockdown, it would just probably be like Oasis. That'd be sick if we got back together. Yeah, they, yeah. That probably sounds dead cliche, obviously, just being northern and that, but I'm not really into band indie music. What about any 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 other like not anything for me, like just a big dirty rave headlined by like Jeff Mills or like Ben Clock or someone like that? Nice one. Like, yeah, that'll be that'll be the one for me, mate. Smashing. Sam, yourself, you had a thought? <laughs> I don't know, it's gonna be it's gonna be like another classic cliche like Arctic Monkeys or something. So I've wanted to see them live for ages. Arctic Isn't Monkeys incredible. Yeah, but... nah, to be fair, I would yeah. yeah but the first, I've got a ticket booked already. It's gonna see for Arctic Monkeys. No, no, for Arctic Monkeys. It's oh. gonna see a small band called e- well, Easy Life. Easy Life. I've heard of Easy Life. Yeah, they're close, and I've got that booked in already. Where are you so seeing them? Is it uh, Leeds? Oh, yeah. Oh, nice one. Yeah. Um there you go. So uh Sammy Arctic Monkeys, but he's got tickets for Easy Life, so good stuff. Um I've had about three, I've had about four gigs rearranged uh over the put uh over the course of COVID. So I've got four that I'm going to I'm going to, but the I have put down DMAs as the band I'd like to see after lockdown, purely because I've been I've meant to see them like two different dates over the course of this like and they've both been rescheduled. Um but hopefully they will actually be the first band I see post coronavirus because uh, in August they're doing a gig in Edinburgh in uh, Princess Street Gardens and I've got tickets for um, for me to go there with Danielle. So hopefully that'll be my first post COVID gig um, start of August. We hope so. Um, but yeah, DMAs. But honestly, at this point, just anyone because I just want to see live music back again. It's it's you know what I mean. I'd I'd take it. I'd take anyone. Um, so yeah, there you go. Let us know who you'd like to. Uh, it's not strictly political, really. This this little intermission, but I mean, it's vaguely related to a political decision. So um, yeah, let us know who you'd uh, you'd go and see or who you've got booked in for after the restrictions are all lifted. Hopefully, twenty first of June. Fingers crossed. That's not even that not that long away, is it? Now, is it to be fair? Days. Huh? Forty days. Forty days. Is that what it is? Yeah. Bloody hell! There you go. Let's hope it all goes ahead. Um, sweet. So uh, we'll go on to. The next sort of discussion point I wanted to bring up, which was last week we saw uh, football clubs across England uh, and across the UK, to be fair, football clubs, fans, some football media outlets do a social media boycott. So for those who don't know the context behind this, um, essentially football clubs, fans, media outlets went on a social media boycott where it didn't use any social media from, I think it was Friday evening until Monday or Tuesday morning um, in basically to raise awareness and attempts to raise awareness for uh, like, you know, online abuse on social media. You know, you've probably seen it. If you're on social media, uh, you get loads of uh, sort of trolls and stuff like that on there, but there is, there, there is all too often 
you know, cases of these these sort of people who are enable themselves. They're completely anonymous on social media because of the nature of social media, and they they often you know go for you know vile racist abuse. You know, the main the main uh, victims of this abuse are often black footballers or any other ethnic minority footballers. Sports so um, yeah, or any and yeah, sports people in general. Um, you know, often fall victim to vile racist abuse from like horrible little virgins at 14 year olds sitting behind a phone screen, but their, you know, identity is completely protected. So, um, but yeah, we saw there was a social media boycott. Essentially they didn't use social media to raise awareness for this issue. Uh, Sam, how effective do you think a boycott of social media is in trying to combat this online abuse? Not at all. Not at all effective. I just don't. I think it's, um, look, if you're going to, they could, if these multimillionaires could, if they have the money to do other, they could do, there are ways around it other than just not posting for three days. They could, if they had government support, they could be lobbying the government. They could be finding stuff for that rather than just running away, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. In my opinion. No, that's, I feel like it's a, I've said, I'll I'll ask Liam what you thought of it first before I give you my views. What what did you reckon, Liam? The social media boycott? I think it's important to say firstly that, I fully understand the sentiment of um, what like actual individuals are trying to do. So like specific football players boycotting or like specific journalists, whatever. I understand the sentiment of what they're trying to do. And it is important. Obviously it's a massive important issue that we need to stamp out this absolute disgusting and abhorrent racial abuse of a sports person, simply because your football team has been beaten. You think it is acceptable to almost just bring up hundreds of years of vile history for an individual by saying one word or using a stupid emoji or whatever. It's important that this needs to be stamping out. But if you're asking me directly, what do I personally think about the effectiveness of this? It's quite clear to me that it's it's just virtue signaling, especially when it's like clubs or like Sky Sports News or like The Sun, for fuck's sake, we're like, we're doing a media blackout. I was like, you dickheads are part of the fucking problem. In fact, you are probably the main problem in the UK is the Sun newspaper printing absolute bollocks on a daily basis about minorities, particularly Muslims, but equally like the Raheem Sterling stuff. I've seen recently they're on fucking Sancho now. And it's like Bakary, what's it called? Um, Bakoyo Saka the other day. It's like the Sun are probably the worst people for it. And then they're like, we're going to show our solidarity. And it's like, you ain't showing solidarity for shit, lads. You're a bunch of fucking wankers and you need telling. So yeah, in like individual footballers or like as a collective unit, individual people doing it, I can understand the sentiment, but like these big companies pretending that they give a shit, they couldn't give a fuck, man. So yeah, like it, it, it seems like, like virtue signaling. Did you like, I got the, I, I, know, I, got the, I know it happened that like you had all the, all the posts of them saying, we're not, we're not posting for a few days and they've had a little cute message that everyone copied and pasted the same one. Yeah. And then uh, for the rest of the weekend, I was like, oh my, I, I didn't like, I'm not like, oh, sh- I'm like, oh, sh- I, I'm maybe because we're a big club. Well, not, not big, no, no, but like, I just wasn't like, I was like, oh shit, I'm not bothered that Chelsea haven't posted. I wasn't yeah. bothered. Like, I noticed it because obviously Time I was aware of it. And I was also like, like normally when it's like, um, like when, when, Dons are playing. I look at the team news an hour before that like, goes on Twitter. I always look at Twitter first, so it obviously wasn't there. But um, yeah, it, it didn't make any difference to my life. I wasn't sitting there going, "Oh no, MK Dons aren't tweeting." Like, or like the people, these disgusting fourteen-year-old virgins who are doing all this tweeting anyway, or saying, "Oh, they're sending out all this out of abuse." Um, 
they're not going to be like, oh shit, I've really just rethink my actions. Chelsea didn't post a picture. Yeah, this this is the thing, right? It's I, I I've had a, a debate with someone about this on Twitter already, and, he, and, and you know they said, oh, it's it's a first step, and I think that's maybe it's acceptable to say it's a first step, but it needs to be seen as such. It's, you can't. Football clubs can't, and you know anyone else who's participating, but mainly football clubs because they have the most influence. They can't just let this happen. They can't just do this and go, "Oh, do you know what? Right, this is it. We've solved, you know, these these issues." Like, obviously, it's not going to be solved by a few football teams. A few football teams not tweeting is not going to solve anything. Um, and as well, you know, someone brought up the point they're always going to hit Twitter's ad revenue. Do you really think Twitter's ad revenue and any other social media ad revenue is going to be really affected by 92 football teams, a couple of media outlets and some football fans not tweeting? Is it bollocks? They've got a plethora of different accounts, you know, who've got millions and millions of followers who can, you know, have advertisements on their tweets. And, you know, they've got millions and millions of users um, who, who will receive these ads. It's not going to take a hit at all. We might see a small, small decrease over the weekend. But the, the problem is, you know, like we say, you know, football clubs have this influence. They need to be exerting it in a different way. Are, are, they need to be lobbying these social media firms. Make it, make it harder to create a social media account. I'm fully behind some form of identification for before you set up a social media account. Like, you know, when you set up an account with like Skybet or Bet365, that you have to send a photo of your ID. I mean, obviously that's 18 plus and all that kind of stuff. But even still, you know, I know there's age limits on social media, which are, oh, there's like 13 for for Facebook. Facebook, And I think it's like 14 or 15 for Twitter. But, you know, people should have passports and other forms of photo identification. Um, They should be made to show them. They're like, there, the way social media is like viewed in the law, or not so like I so said, like Facebook, let's say, if viewed in law, it's completely different to what like um Daily Mail or not Daily Mail, but like a news outlet is viewed. So they're, they're like viewed where they, if a news outlet tweeted something racist, they have to like apologize or if they're associated with that like regard. Whereas in a social media account, can like a social media outlet can maneuver through the law like a way out of that they could they don't they're not viewed as the same as like institution yeah which allows them to be like take a step back like we can't like oh, that's disgusting he's done that but like we can't do it they've removed donald trump from facebook and they still go out for that motion but they can't sort 14 year olds yeah this is this is the mental thing right they, they like you say they removed the president of the united states from social media accounts whether you agree that or disagree with that is obviously your own your own decision but and they can't you know they can't have some sort of uh, you know restrictions on these horrible troll accounts tweeting racist abuse. Uh, um, uh, footballers, it's a joke. Like that was a bit of a burp into the mark. I'm sorry <laughs> if anyone heard that. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's what we do best in this country is virtue signaling, right? You look at you look at over the even just over the last twelve months. Okay, you had the um the black squares on people's instagrams for for blm right blackout tuesday or whatever it was called right people have black put black squares on their social media it's completely pointless it does nothing people most say people have deleted them now people, well. yeah most people have deleted them now as well cuz cuz it messes up the aesthetic on their feed right i didn't do it cuz it's just completely pointless performatism um and i actually tended, bit, I actually tended like marches and everything even i didn't put that black square on my thing because yeah that's the thing completely pointless that's activism activism is attending my making your voice heard and putting you yeah. you know you know let, letting people know that these are the opinions that you have and letting people know that you you'll feel strongly on an issue you know putting a black square on your instagram not going to help anything right and that's just one example another example clap for carers right nhs workers 
um, and other, you know, key workers and stuff like that. People stood outside their front door on a Thursday evening bashing fucking pots and pans and got to a point where people were setting off fireworks and shit like that. It, it just turned into a competition of who can be louder than your neighbours, which sums up perfectly the extent to which we want to, we want to be heard and we want this, like, attention-seeking. Like, the people who were, who were engaging in this kind of thing are the same people who, like, give a homeless person a burger from McDonald's film and then film it and then put it on social media and say, oh, I did such a good deed today, right? Or if, donate if, a charity screenshot in there. If you have to, like, if you have to let other people know that you're doing a good deed, that takes away from the complete from the selflessness of the original act because you're clearly doing it for your own, for people to go, oh, wow. And that's what Clap for Care has turned into, right? People going, I remember quite well, like, my, like people going and being like, oh, the neighbours, my neighbours didn't clap today. Oh, that's not, like, so what? You know what I mean? It just came into, a, it turned into a thing where people were like, oh, oh they're, they're horrible people if you don't stand outside on your doorstep in the pissing cold, clapping for, you know, the NH. It's so Joel's pointless. Mom, Joel's, actually, I, I, mom, mom, his mum worked, sorry, Liam, his mum worked yeah. in the NHS, she, or was one on the front line. She she was like, I'm not going to do a bloody clap. Or he was like, he was yeah. like no, I'm not going to clap. My mum's my mom's at home, my mum's making my dinner. <laughs> I'm not being funny, right? I'm pretty sure NHS workers and any other key workers for that matter, especially NHS workers, would just prefer, uh, you know, a better pay rise than one. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I was about to say. Did you not just find the whole clapping thing? Not like, it was just condescending and insulting. I thought I didn't clap once because I was like, mm. fuck this, man. Why would I go outside and clap? These guys deserve more than just a clap. They deserve a pay rise. And that is just virtue. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like even recently with the whole football tickets thing. So it's like, oh, yeah, we'll, um, we'll give 4,000 fans these tickets and then we'll give 10,000 NHS workers. Like, the NHS don't want to go and see Chelsea against Man City in the semi-final. They want to get paid properly. It's a good game. Yeah, it's a clubs. But... Um, yeah, you, you understand what I'm saying, isn't it? Like, no, yeah, I understand. I was actually, I was actually saying, I was saying this the other day, right? Because obviously they did the same thing with, um, like Chelsea and Leicester in the FA Cup final. I saw a, a, a tweet that was like, um, you know, they're giving six thousand tickets to each each fan base, and then another sort of the rest of the nine thousands are being shared between key workers, local residents, and uh, like corporate sponsors and stuff like that. Like, I was saying this, like, do NHS workers, like, some of them might like football, but do they actually really want to go and watch an FA Cup final? Or would they rather just be paid better for their service that they do? I'm not saying that they don't... This is the thing as well, right? This whole virtue signaling thing, people who don't do it are instantly being like, oh, you're a terrible person for not doing this. You don't agree with this issue. You know what I mean? So if you don't participate in the... Like, one of my mates, for instance, runs, like... uh, so like a um independent sports association for mk dons right um so he he runs that and he was saying to me oh i don't, I don't know whether i should do this social media boycott because everyone else is doing it. like the official sports association was doing it other like accounts associated with mk dons like other social media accounts were doing it and he was like oh, i don't know whether i should do it because i'll just get loads of shit if i don't and i was like no that's bollocks that's exactly what they want they want you to make like they want to make you feel bad for not doing anything when in reality they're not any better than you just because they're not tweeting for a few days you know what i mean it's it's very much like like i say it's it's performative activism and it's people just like to do it to be seen and like to jump on a bandwagon because they don't they're so scared of you know, getting criticised for not doing it. And it was the exact same thing with a social media boycott. Like like you said at the start, like, disclaimer to this, like, I completely support, obviously, oh, it goes without saying, really, I completely support 
the sentiment behind it. I'm completely against all forms. Well, of that's what like the, sorry, that's what like yeah. purchasing does. Now you've got to say, no, I do support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not racist, but I don't. No, but that's what I mean though yeah. as well. Like, on, a, on a public platform like this, I probably wouldn't put it on my own like on my own like private Twitter because it goes about saying. But like, I feel like you have to clarify because you yeah. get some knobhead who goes, oh well, you clearly don't think this is an issue. Like I 100 percent think it's an issue. You know, footballers should not be racially abused for going about their job, no matter whether they have a shit game one day. Uh, you know, everyone's human and it's completely ridiculous uh, to, to, you know, racially abuse anyone um, in any any context and even just, you know, any forms of other, you know, discriminatory abuse. It's, it's, it's not on. Um, but yeah, like you say, a social media boycott isn't going to stop that. It's not going to, it's not going to really have much of an impact. And um, yeah, so I, I don't know, any, anything else, anything else to say on that? No, I think we've, yeah, I just want to chime in on one thing. You said before that um, about the whole um, identification. They should people should um, should have to use ID to use social media. I actually disagree with that. I'm um, Why is that? just because I think right. The internet is already as scary place as it is, and we already know how bullshitty these tech companies are with algorithms and the way that they target you and all this. Imagine if they had everyone's data. Jesus Christ, it's bad enough that they've just got basic data on you to manipulate certain things. They reckon that like Facebook and all the rest of it has manipulated elections and that. Imagine if they actually had your piece of information, like your passport or your your ID card. And on top of that, not only the tech companies, you expose yourself massively to hackers worldwide of just accessing your data. They could like, who knows? Like you you genuinely probably do not know how far technology has really gone. Someone could quite easily uh, access your passport or your, your driving license and could falsify documents yeah. and, I don't know, take a bank loan out. They could go to another country and commit commit an atrocity somewhere. Like Anything could happen just because they've accessed your data through social media, and that's why I'm against it. I understand what you're saying, though. That, that 100% has to be more regulation on the people that we're having on the internet, and there has to be something to do. To be honest, I'm going to hold my hands up. I don't know what the answer is because it's very complex, and I don't know what the answer is. The ID would be the best way of stamping it out, but you also open yeah. everyone up to a complete underworld of just bullshit if you do that, in my opinion. No, yeah, there is. But, yeah, To be fair, I didn't fully consider that, and it's, uh, yeah, like I say, a good point. Um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult, difficult question to answer, and... You know, advocates of like free speech, like myself, will be like, well, it's just free speech. But also, uh, it's free speech up to a point. You know, it's and free speech. Spreading hate. It's when it's free, not spe- free speech. It's hate speech, isn't it? That's I mean, it's, it's having an opinion speech. on something and then just being a complete and utter scumbag, and that yeah, is what yeah. that is. That's what it is exactly. It's it's it's. That's what I was about to say. You know, it's when free speech becomes hate speech, when you know you got to draw that line. And I think if if, if you know, there can't be a better vetting process for how people are creating accounts. There needs to be a better response process from these social media, you know, companies to actually say, right, do you know what? This person has said this. There needs to be like there needs to be some sort of algorithm for trigger words, any sort of racism, any even just DMs as well for like for like footballers, right? Any sort of racism, you know, any certain words, and everyone knows, you know, what words. what words are racial slurs. It goes about saying. I'm not going to say it on a podcast either. Um, you know, it goes, it, there needs to be some sort of way of like picking these words out, even at a DMs, right? Social media companies should 100%, they do have access to everyone's DMs, right? They can look at them whenever they want. Um, and even just that as well. And, and another, you know, there needs to be basically a, a quicker vet, a quicker process of, you know, stamping these accounts out. Obviously, you can't take action on these accounts until they do something, but as soon as they do something, it needs to be like that, bang, gone. And, you know, there needs to be essentially ways to stop them from, 
creating another account, whether that's, uh, you know, something like locating their IP address and banning that IP address specifically from creating a social media. I don't know if that's possible, but I don't think it's impossible considering the amount, you know, technology has progressed. Um, it's yeah. mental for me, like, Reese James, Chelsea footballer, is 19 years age, 19 years old, has to delete his Twitter, his Instagram and Twitter because he's been so much racial abuse. It's insane. And he's like, he's a 19-year-old kid, mate. When, yeah. when push comes to shove, he's 19. 19. 19-year-old <laughs> lads, like, it's... Yeah, go on, then. Sorry, I was just saying it's disgusting. Yeah, that, like like you just said, then surely like the amount of money that these tech companies have, they're like the, the richest companies in the world. Yeah. Surely they've got enough to just like change a bit of code that as soon as like one of these words or one of these emojis is even tweeted, it doesn't even go active and it just removes the account straight away. Surely they, they've got the technology to do that. Yeah, 100%. 100%, 100% man. Like, um, but yeah, it, it rely, I think it relies on a bit of lobbying from... Football clubs and and you know not just football clubs but other people in general people in general you know need to get behind this cause and like we say it's hard to find the solution to it but social media companies can do more I don't think boycotting social media is particularly an effective step um, but I can understand why it was done I can un- like I say I understand the sentiment behind it but I just think again it was another case of virtue signaling. Everyone had to jump on that bandwagon, or else be accused of being some sort of horrible racist, um, which obviously people aren't. The vast majority of people aren't. Um, yeah, a bit of a serious conversation there, but we'll finish up with the higher or lower game. And again, Joel isn't here, so Sam's basically got a free shot to extend his lead on Joel. Uh, it's currently 4-2 to Sam. But also, to be fair, Liam, you've been on twice since we've done this right. and you've got them both right. I so have. Technically, Liam 2, Joel 2, Sam 4. So <laughs> if I get this right, I'm actually beating Joel. You're beating yeah. Joel, who's been on every... Well, not every week, to be fair. That's the problem. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go. We, you, you could be. So uh, here's the question, right? Uh, the London mayoral election of 2016. We've been speaking about mayoral elections at the start of the episode. So the London mayoral election of 2016, I did a bit of research. Um, so did the BMPs, David Furness, get a higher or lower number of votes than Paul Golding of Britain first? So did the BMPs, David Furness, BMP, for those who don't know, British National Party, David Furness of the BNP ran for mayor in 2016. So did Paul Golding. But did David Furness get a higher or lower amount of votes than Paul Golding? What, what, what's the logic here? What are we thinking? Well, I think in 2016, it's Brexit vote year. It is Brexit vote year. But then that could, you know, no, benefit no, I, either party, you know? No, no, no. But I'm just going to think, if you're going to vote, who's I'm just going to work out that tie who's pretty more well-known as a party. Mm. But it's also London as well, though, isn't it? Hmm. you got to think about it it's a, it's, a, it's a conundrum mate I'm convinced Liam's googling it yeah, he's yeah. looking away he's looking oh, sorry someone just texted me and I was just like oh, yeah. podcast. sorry yeah of course you have of course yeah, I'm googling it I really give a shit about Britain first and the BNP yeah it's like, if they were both if they were both running today in Manchester I'd have put the BNP first and Britain first second surprisingly I'm not shocked. No, no, I'm not saying that on a podcast. Disclaimer: That was a joke, man. That was a joke. <laughs> no, nah, it's not a joke. He means it. Cut. <laughs> not cutting that out. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I voted for the most left-wing party you can get. Yeah, I'm a lefty. I'm not a racist. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something a racist would say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, what, what What are our answers here, well, Liam? What What are you thinking? Did 
did the BMP's David Furness get a higher or lower amount of the vote than Britain First's Paul Golding? What do you reckon? i ask a question first, just because I, I, I don't remember. When was it that the BMP got half a million votes in the UK? Was that in 2016 or was that 2012? I don't know. <laughs> okay, right. I, actually... I remember here goes the Wi-Fi. It's kind of bit... well in the general election. Well, not really well, but they got the fuck. Yeah, no, they they did do well in the general election, Sorry, but I can't remember what year it was. Uh, what are you saying? Higher or lower amount? I'm going to say that the BNP got more votes than um, Britain first. Right, sweet Sam. I've said the same. You're saying the same. Both going for the same. So you're both saying that BNP's David Furness got more votes than Britain first. Paul Golding's Britain first. I can tell you that one party received 13,325 votes and the other party got 31,372 votes and the party that got 31,372 votes was well yeah candidate rather was Paul Golding of Britain first so you're both wrong you're both shit unlucky um yeah, there you go. I don't know, I no idea why. Paul Golding's maybe a bit more of a high-profile candidate in himself, yeah. um, I think, than David Furness was. I, I, I knew Paul Golding's name already. I didn't know the other guy. So, um, yeah, there you go. It must, no, been, I don't, it must have been the election before that that the BNP did really well. Maybe, then. yeah, maybe. Is that the UKIP year as well, then? I well, that was, I think it could have been. Um, no, yeah, so... Uh, I don't know if the BNP and Britain first. I don't think Britain first are standing in this election this year, but uh, I don't know if BNP. I just think was... it's mad that between them two absolute twats of parties, they managed to get fifty thousand people to vote for them. <laughs> Jesus Christ! That just shows how many how fucked this country is, man. Not quite fifty, to be fair, forty-five thousand, but still, still bad enough, mate. Still bad enough, yeah. Out of London's population, which is I don't know what I don't know what the population of London is somewhere in the eight million or something. Yeah. Anyway, um, there you go. So horror lower. There's no no change there. Scores on the doors remain the same. It's still Joel who's not here. Prick two. Uh, Sam <laughs> Sam four. Liam's on two as well as our guest. So Liam and Joel are drawing. Um, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Liam, for joining us for for standing in at such short notice. Appreciate it, mate. No problem. No problem. Good stuff. And uh, we are going to do a Liam is penciled in a trip to Leeds so we will be doing a live episode with Liam with Joel as well and Sam and me of course uh, on in June so we've got that penciled in so keep an eye out for that we're basically going to get steam in and then record a podcast <laughs> what see what ends up what could possibly go wrong it, this will ruin <laughs> the, the platform I've worked to create over for the last like yeah few months it'll just completely end up getting Eddie Hearn down for PPV mate um, mate honestly it's uh, it's not going to go well um, but we'll do it anyway uh, so yeah, cheers Liam cheers Sam for joining us again pleasure mate Old reliable. Old reliable. As, as always, as always. Um, yeah, there you go. Thank you uh, to everyone for listening. We really appreciate your support. We are approaching two and a half thousand streams, which is very, very good. Hopefully this episode will push us over the line, uh, which will be a nice little milestone to reach after only four months of doing this podcast, which is class. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening. If you want to get involved with our social media, then please do. We are at a pint of politics on Twitter and Instagram. We're pint of politics on Facebook and LinkedIn. And our website is www.pintofpolitics.wordpress.com. I think that's the right URL. I sometimes get it wrong, but 
anyway, it's in our link tree, so have a look at that. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening. We will see you again, or speak to you again, rather, next week. Um, but for now, take care, enjoy your weekends, have a good one. Thank you.